0: Well, let's turn our attention to the Word of God. We'll be speaking on mothers, but it may not look like it when you turn to the passage. So if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Now, next week, Lord willing, we will begin our series on the book of Revelation. Today we want to just, uh, I think it's appropriate for us to draw our attention to mothers and the role that they play in our church and our society as well 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse verses 1 to 5 let a man regard us in this manner as s- servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God in this case moreover it is it is required of a steward that one be found trustworthy or faithful some translations but to me it is a it's a very small thing that i am that i may be examined by you and by or by any human court in fact i do not even examine myself for i am conscious of nothing against myself yet i am not by this acquitted but the one who examines me is the Lord. And therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes until all, until uh, comes who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of, motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word and the guidance that it does give our lives. Um, Lord, I pray for this particular message, for this particular passage, to be clear in our understanding. May we draw from it the principles that would be helpful for us today. As we apply Your Word to our hearts and our minds and our understanding. Lord, I I pray for uh, illumination of the Holy Spirit. I pray for um, just even empowerment to to be able to communicate these deep truths uh, to Your people. And I pray that ultimately You would be honored, that You would be glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What is your image of a mother? What comes to your mind? What picture comes into your mind when you think of the ideal mother? The perfect mom, you might say. There's certain images, there's certain ideas that come into our mind. Even if you've had a bad mom, there are those things out there, bad moms. But the Lord has given us the privilege of an imagination that we can imagine how things should be. I believe he's given us that so that we can understand at least a little bit of his glory. This is we can look at our own sinful situation and realize that uh, this is not the way it should be. Here's ideal. Here's the way things should be. And we all have a, a picture. We all have an image of an ideal mother, the way motherhood is supposed to be. One of my uh, pictures that, that comes to my mind is of Norman Rockwell, and I've mentioned him before. Norman Rockwell painted this picture of this older mother, and she is sitting on her stool, and she has this basin of water uh, at her feet, and she's peeling potatoes. She's peeling potatoes, just faithfully. Pilling potatoes. You could tell she's done this before. She has her apron on, and she just she knows how to do this. And what makes the picture so special is her son is there with her, and her son has a a, a uniform on. You probably remember the picture I'm talking about, and he's he still has his uniform on from. The war from he, uh, he, it looked like he just came back and kind of surprised everyone. I think this is a Thanksgiving picture. And he pulls up the chair and he's sitting there and he's peeling potatoes with his mom. And you can imagine in his his mind of how uh, he's been away, maybe at war. It looked like he had a, an Air Force uniform on. Been away at war and he's been thinking about home. And he's imagining in his home, mom is doing the same thing she always does. She's out there pulling potatoes. She's out there cooking, serving her family. And he comes and he finds her in the same, same position. Here's what she's doing. And he pulls up a chair and he wants to help. And he just wants to be with her mom. And it's just a wonderful picture of motherhood. Of just her serving her family. Cooking. Serving, serving her children. That's a wonderful picture. We all have different pictures in mind. We all have our own ideas, our own Im- images that come to mind. That picture, I think, is special to me because I saw my grandmother. How many times you see your grandmother peeling potatoes? Or stringing beans. And my mom, right beside her. And they would string beans and, and uh, boy, I would just, just, this kid just come and go. And that's just what they would do. Their hands were always busy. Hens were always busy. And it's a beautiful thing. Motherhood is a, a beautiful thing. And it is, I believe, a gift from God. And it's it's appropriate that we celebrate it today. It's appropriate that we honor our mothers. But I believe that motherhood is in danger today. I, I do. I believe it's uh, it's it's coming down just to the, the nine months that uh, you're pregnant. And after that, boy, you hand that baby off to somebody else. And motherhood is kind of being... Being lost, as we lose the, as the family begins to, to crumble, as the idea of the family begins to crumble, so does the idea of motherhood begins to erode and is undermined by those things. I think motherhood though, is a gracious gift of God to the world to the world, even undeserving, sinful people like ourselves. Now, the world would just look at motherhood and say, well, no, that's just uh, that's nothing really special. That's just instinct. And we pull that over from the animal kingdom. We were we have evolved and um, that's just instinct. And then evolution, then gets the glory for motherhood. And I don't believe that is true. I believe that God gets the glory for motherhood. It is his idea. It is his design. In spite of the effect of sin and sinful nature, God still gets the glory of a faithful mother who sacrifices, who loves, and who has committed herself to her family. God gets the glory for for that. For motherhood. Now I believe that motherhood is still alive and well. Maybe not in the world, but in the church. Because I see it. I see it. And I believe that there's going to be a more distinct difference between the world and the church, particularly in this area, family and motherhood, as the the church continues to uphold the value of, of motherhood. And it seems to be demeaned by the society at large. But in God's economy, in the church, and under God's understanding of Scripture, there's three things that a mother has to be. Let's just say, that, say that way. In God's economy, there's three elements of being a mother. A mother is a female. <laughs> now, we don't want to overlook the obvious. God made them male and female. He made them male and female. And God made the mother's body, the female body, uniquely designed, different from the male to incubate life to sustain life to nurture life now he could have he 's a very creative god he could have made us gender neutral he could have now i wouldn't have liked that it wouldn't have been very very much fun would it but he could have made us gender neutral well how do we how do we procreate well he could have just given us little pills oh yeah just take this pill boom you got this baby or he give given us seeds. You want five seeds or three seeds or whatever. Or you take this seed out and you plant this seed in the garden and boom, you have this child tree and you can pick as many babies as you want. Now God is creative. He could have done, you know, he could have done something like that. It could have been cold and detached. It could have been, uh, it could have been impersonal. But in his perfect design, he said, no, I want a mother. I want motherhood motherhood. And he gave her the strength and the patience and the love and the compassion that she needs. And you say, well, no, not all mothers are like that. Yeah, the effects of sin, the sinful nature has has had its uh, heyday, distorting our image, distorting our ideas of motherhood to the point that We don't even measure up to our own ideas, let alone God's glory, what God expects of of motherhood and God's design for motherhood. So I think female, I think number two, it has to be a wife in God's economy. The mother is it's designed for her to be a wife, to be a wife. Children are to be brought up in the context of a family. Can a mother do it herself? Absolutely. And we've seen that. They, that's been demonstrated. They have the fortitude, the strength of character many times to bring up children in the harshest and the worst of environments. But the ideal in the way God has designed it, it is to be done in the context of a family. The husband, they are to leave their father and mother and He is to cleave to his wife and they are to become one flesh. Their focus is on each other. The focus of the husband is to love his wife and protect his wife and provide for his wife. And that then frees her up to be able to focus on her responsibilities as a a mother. It's a perfect design. You say, oh, that's just tradition. That's just traditional roles. Let me tell you, those traditional roles, folks, are rooted in Scripture. Rooted in Scripture. These are God's ideas. This is God's design for this. The third thing that a mother needs to be is a servant. As a servant. In God's economy, she is serving her husband by mothering. Serving her family and you bring that back just a little bit, and she's serving. Ultimately, she's serving the the community at large too, isn't it? She, as she produces productive members of society, helpful members, kids that know how to do something, and she is. You pull that back even more, and she is serving the church, producing these children that love the Lord and fear the Lord and are active in the church. She's serving the church. But the greatest position that she holds, though, as a servant is that she is actually serving God. This is God's role. God has placed her in this situation. And he, she is His servant serving those, those children. And that makes all the difference in the world. And we'll look at that. We'll look at that. God, uh, God determines who gets to be a mother. The Bible says that He opens and closes the womb. And for those women that are not mothers, He has a special plan for them. A different, maybe a unique plan, a way that they can serve Him. But mothers have this design. It's a role that they play. It's a responsibility that God has given them. It's a God-given, biblically clear responsibility that they have as a servant of God. Now that's what connects us to this passage. Because in this passage, Paul is teaching us, 1 Corinthians 4, Paul is teaching us how to be a good servant of God. And he's got some principles that he kind of lays out for us. And the circumstances uh, of this passage is that uh, Paul is dealing with the church at Corinthians, at Corinth. And this church is, there's a lot of immature believers. Believers that just have not grown up. They're very sinful believers. And he's having to deal with all kinds of problems. Helping them to think through this and think through that. And one of the things that, one of the elements, one of the the sinful ways that they are thinking is that they are on the cusp of man worship. If you turn back chapter 3, look at verse 4. He says for this, and I'm just setting the context here a little bit. Chapter 3, verse 4. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not mere men? Just mere men. They're they're kind of elevating. Oh, I like Paul the best. Yeah, I, I listen to his, and he's just great. No, I like Apollos. He's the better speaker. And they're kind of elevating, they're judging these, these men, they're kind of pitting these men against one another and kind of elevating them. He goes on to say, verse 5, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. We just are the ones who spread the gospel and you believed as a result. Even as the Lord gives opportunity. So it's really the Lord. We're just servants of the Lord. I planted Apollos' water. But God has caused the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But God has caused the growth. God has caused the growth. We can understand that, right? It's God is the one who works. We're just mere servants. Now, Paul is trying to get that across to them. And that's, that kind of leads us up to chapter 4. To chapter 4. And here's what I want us to see in this passage, and you'll see it on the screen there. All believers, all believers are servants of Jesus Christ and are accountable to fulfill their God-given responsibilities. Their God-given responsibilities. And the question that Paul answers for us in this passage is what is the role of the servant? What is the servant? Just kind of the big picture. What does the servant do? What's the role of the servant? And I believe he gives us three characteristics or three elements maybe of being a servant. And I'm going to apply them to motherhood. Now, we could apply them to fatherhood. We could apply them to being a husband. We can apply them to being a good worker in the community. We could apply them in any number of ways. We'll apply them today just as as mothers, being a servant, as a mother, as a mother serves. So, first one. Here's the first principle that Paul lays out. It's in verse 1. The servant's identity comes from his role as a servant. He identifies himself as a as a servant because that's what he is. He knows his place. That's his his whole identity is wrapped up in serving God, the God of creation. servant's identity. Now look at verse 1. Let's look at that again. We'll go through verse 1 and and we'll uh, draw some applications from it. Let a man regard us in this manner. So, let a man, just any man, people in the community, people in the church, any anyone regard us let them see us and view us in this way in this manner as servants now, that's Paul's talking about himself he sees himself as a servant he was just a servant of God now the us there though regard us is probably talking about Paul himself but also Apollos and Peter those that he had mentioned previously we're just servants We're just serving the church. Paulus, I planted. Apollos watered, he said. But God gives the increase. They're just servants of Jesus Christ. They're just doing what God has called them to do. Each particular, in their particular place. But notice also, servants, you understand that, and stewards of the mystery of God. Now what's a steward? A steward is someone that has been placed, has a responsibility, has been placed under management. Okay, here's this, here's this thing I want you to manage for me. What is that thing that we are to manage? The steward. Stewards of the mystery of God. Now we talked about this when we were going through 1 Timothy. What is the church entrusted with? The mysteries of God. What, what are those? Those are things, mystery is those things that, that previously we didn't understand. That we didn't know. Things that have not been revealed that are now revealed to us. God has revealed them. They, they're no longer mysteries. They're mysteries to the world. And we are responsible for them. Remember back when we talked about that? The church is responsible for the truth of the word of God. It's the word of God that he's talking about. This this mysteries of God, these, these truths that we have been entrusted with, that's what he's talking about here. Now, let's draw some applications. We are on this earth because God has entrusted us with a ministry, with responsibilities. If you're a dad, you've been entrusted with responsibility of being a dad, or a husband, or a worker. God wants you here for, God has you here for a reason we are as mothers you are entrusted with the word of God we're all entrusted with the word of God as a Christian we're entrusted with that word of God Paul himself is entrusted with the word of God as mothers you are entrusted with that word of God to bring to bear the word of God on those little lives to grow them up and she is as much of a minister as any minister she's a Taking the word of God, applying it, applying it to sinful, rebellious hearts, and and setting an example. There's a illustration of this. G. Campbell Morgan, who was a very popular pastor, preacher, in the past century, and a very well known pastor, and he had four sons, and they all become pastors. And that was interesting. That intrigued the world. And at a family reunion, it was asked, who's the, who's the greatest preacher? Who's the greatest preacher? And, of course, all the sons, they, they turned to their dad. What's G. Campbell Morgan going to say? Who's the greatest Morgan preacher among the sons? And he wisely said, but he said, all the sons are looking at him, and he says, mother. The mother is the greatest preacher. She's the greatest Morgan preacher. Why? Because she has, she has poured her life into these sons and they became, they became preachers. That's the ideal mother. And Paul saw himself as a servant of God. And he wanted other people to see him as a servant of God. He's just a servant of God. He's just a servant of God. Servant of God. We are all servants of God um you say well if we're just slaves of God and that's the really the term there slave servant kind of softens it up but it's it's in the greek it's a very uh it's the lowest form of slavery and you say now if we're just slaves am i if i'm just slavishly out there serving god oh i don't like this work i hate this work but boy i'm just a slave i'm just serving god and i don't really love what i'm doing You say, well, doesn't the word slave, doesn't servanthood diminish my love for God? No, no, not at all. It doesn't have to at all. It doesn't have to at all. Uh, Jerry Rag, who's a pastor down in Florida, he said this. He says, love and duty are not at odds in the believer. We, We serve the Lord out of love, right? This mom serves the Lord out of love. Or serves her children out of love and serves God out of love, but it's also a duty. It's also her responsibility, and the two come hand in hand. He says uh, he goes on to say, "But having become fully empowered, companions in grace, love and duty work together. It's not a slave. Now, let's apply this to to mothers. Sometimes you get up." And it is just slavish, isn't it? You don't feel like it. But it's my duty. I'm more on the side of duty than love. Sometimes as a father, you know what I'm talking about. You're on the side of duty. I have to do this. But some days, no, it's out of just pure love. Now listen, they're, they're not in contrast. They can work completely hand in hand together. The mother Her whole identity is wrapped up in this serving God. Serving, yes, servant, but also out of love and and joy. She is just a servant of God and she's a proud servant of God. Paul is proud of his service that what God has entrusted him with. Now the world demeans motherhood. The world thinks, and that's becoming more and more popular. I thought it was dying out, but... Folks, I think that's becoming more and more the idea that, man, a woman can contribute to society in uh, some other role other than motherhood. Oh, she's smart, so she needs this job, or she needs that job. And the best uh, focus of her life can is best spent with her children and what she's producing, what she's producing in the world. Boy, they don't see that at all. They don't see that. They say you could find greater fulfillment outside the home. Give these kids to somebody that can take care of them and, and you go do what is going to be fulfilling to you. And that's uh, that, I think, is poison. I think that undermines the family. It undermines our idea of motherhood. And eventually, motherhood is just going to be a thing of the past. I mean, it's already a push to uh, let the community raise your children or let the state and the government raise your children. It takes a community. No, that's, that's the world's thinking. That's not God's thinking here. It is a, a role that is especially designed for a woman, especially designed for a mother, especially in marriage, and, and she is to have the mindset of a servant. A servant. And let me tell you, mothers when you begin to realize that you are serving the God of the universe in what you are doing, just the insignificant routine of your day, it may seem insignificant, but you are serving God, then then the role that you're playing becomes important all of a sudden. In fact, it's magnified. It's it's, uh, significantly important the focus the purpose of what you're doing and you begin to do things in detail with intention with deliberate intent you do them in a specific way why because because what I'm doing is important you begin to give thought to what you're doing the details of what you're doing you say you say it's hard <laughs> yeah it's hard being a mother It's hard raising children. It's hard to deal with a sinful heart. It's hard to deal with weak-minded children who can't understand. It's hard to deal with strong-willed children. It's hard to deal with that. Yes, yes it is. And and, and it takes the, the fortitude that God has given a mother to be able to patiently handle that. Patiently do that. So mothers they must see themselves as servants of God. And let me tell you, when you do, that changes everything. And i apply it to the rest of us. Fathers, husbands, workers. When you begin to realize, when you see your life as just a servant of God, that's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. Number two, here's the next principle and. The main concern, number two, you can see it on the board. The main concern of the servant is that he pleases his master. Look at verse 2. In this case, moreover, it is required of a steward that one be found trustworthy. There's a couple words that we need to understand there. Required. In this case, moreover, it is required. In this case, what does that mean? It, It means in the circumstances, when you're serving the Lord, when you're serving God, moreover... It is required. Now, the, the word required is an interesting word. I thought it was just a simple word, but, man, it's a lot deeper than this. The word required is, has the idea it's what someone is looking for, okay? It's what they're looking for. And the idea is something that uh, you would look, on, look for on a resume, Right? You, put, uh, you, you want this particular job and you put some, all of your requirements, all of your things on, on this resume. All of the things that you have accomplished and put them on this resume. And when they go through this, when the people who are hiring, they go through this, they're looking for certain things. That's the idea here. God is, is looking for certain things. He is looking for what? That one be found faithful. When God is evaluating your life, when God is looking down on your life, is Carl going to be faithful? Is Carl going to be faithful? Moreover, it is required of a steward, someone who has been trusted to this. Is he going to be in, is he going to be faithful to what he's been entrusted with, or is he going to be trustworthy? And that's probably a better translation. Is is he to be trusted? Can we trust him with this? Can we trust that mother to take the word of God and apply it to these? children's hearts and patiently work with the hearts of these children. Can we do that? Can we entrust them? That's what's required. God has requirements. He's not just this master who says, okay, you're my servant. You can go off and do whatever you want. No, he has requirements. He has things that he's looking for in the servant and uh, to be pleased by this servant. And you what? A godly servant. They're going to find out what the instructions are, right? Just What's my instructions, God? What do you want me to do? Then you go out and carry it out faithfully. You just faithfully do it. Indefinite period of time. No, God has called me to this. I'm just going to pace myself and I'm going to do it one day at a time. And I'm going to be a, a faithful father. I'm going to be a faithful worker. I'm going to be a faithful neighbor. I'm going to be a faithful mother. I'm just going to carry out what God has called me to do. And faithfulness really is the biggest test of, of Christianity, of being a Christian, because it, it's, it's just doing the right thing, right? Doing the right thing. But it's doing the right thing over a long period of time. And when you do that, you begin to reveal that you're not doing it in your own strength, you're doing it in God's strength. Because over a period of time, that's hard. When you could do it one time, I've used the illustration here before. I can get up on a Saturday morning. I can, man, I can clean that house. I can clean those dishes. I can clean, uh, uh, you, you know, the, the bathrooms and, and have that house clean. And I can do it pretty quick. But I tell you what, getting up day after day after day after day, that's a different story. That takes a special mindset, doesn't it? It takes a special planning, a special purpose. A person's life doesn't quit, just keeps on going. We get our instructions from God and we just faithfully carry them out. And as a mother, let's apply this to mothers. Where do we get our instructions? We do not get our instructions from the world. Now the world has instructions on how to raise children. The world has it. There's all kinds. It's really kind of a mess. Because it's from... I don't want to even get into it, but you've got one side and the other side. And man, there's all kinds of ideas. That is not the starting place. For the godly mother, her instructions are found right here in Scripture. What does her master want her to do? She is a servant of God. How would... How would God want me to raise these children? This is the place to start. Our goal is completely different from the world. Our goal is to raise, God, raise godly children. Not to just, uh, just kind of sit back and in fact, any mother can kind of just sit back and watch their children grow up. That's what food's gonna do. You put food in and they're gonna grow. That's what happens. But a servant of God is going to find out, Lord, how do you want me to do this? What is my instructions for these children? And how am I uh, to carry out my commandments? We don't sit by and wait for somebody to give us instructions. We uh, attack the Scripture. Lord, help me be a good servant. Let me know. Help me to find it. And let me tell you, He has given us instructions in His Word. His Word has is clear on these things. The focus of a godly mother is on the Master's will. On the servant of God, He's looking for His Master. The will of His Master. What does the Master require? And we go to the Master's Word. To God's Word. You say, well, what are some of those things? So let me just give you a few of them. <clears throat> Turn over to, uh, to Titus. Let's just quickly just see the focus of the mother. Uh, real quick Titus chapter 2 Titus chapter 2 we're just kind of flesh this out what, what is a mother to do what is her goal what is required of a mother Titus chapter 2 And verse uh, verse 3 says older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine teaching what is good so that they may in encourage the younger women to love their husbands to love their children that's their focus loving their husbands loving their children that's a verb that's an active thing to be sensible pure workers at home that's her focus or continue that focus on her family and do other things but that is her focus Workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, submissive to her husband, so that the word of God is not maligned. It's clear instructions from God as a steward. Go back now, Second 2 Timothy, Second 2 Timothy chapter one. An example is Peter's mom. Peter's mom. What's a mother to do? Second Peter Second Timothy, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter one, and verse five. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, Paul is talking to Timothy and Timothy. I, I, rem- I remember of your sincere faith, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. It was there first, I, I saw it there, and your and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure within you too. It started there, it started there. and look over at chapter three and verse fifteen. And that from childhood, this is Paul still talking to Timothy, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation. So here's the picture that he's painting for us of Timothy's mother. That she had faith. Her, her, his grandmother had faith. And they passed it on. They worked with them. They worked with Timothy. He became strong in the Word. Um, it says, as a child... You knew the sacred writings. They taught. That's the mother's intent. That was her focus. That was her goal. I want this child to grow up knowing the Word. And that's what happened. And that Word produced salvation in in his life. That Word worked in his life. That's a good mother. It's a good example. It's a good thing here. That's the goal. We can remember over back in uh, Proverbs, and we don't... want. Don't want to spend too much time. But Proverbs chapter 31. What's the Proverbs 31 model woman for us? Well, her, her children aren't mentioned too much. But in verse 28, it says this. Proverbs 31, 28. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. Your, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Saying, many daughters have done nobly. But you excelled them all. Charm and beauty is deceitful. And, uh, or charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a mother or a, a wife, a woman who fears the Lord. That was the focus of her life. It was her family being productive. In fact, she was very productive. If you read that, she was very, very productive. And you would kind of expect, now this isn't an ideal woman right here, you would kind of expect her to focus all of her attention on her children. But it's not, it doesn't really say that. It, it does, but that's kind of a byproduct. Her attention was, uh, was just being productive. And her kids, man, you can see them just ducks in a row, man. They're following mommy. And when she gets finished with them, they fear the Lord and they're productive members of society. Now, of course, her focus was uh, ultimately on her children, but, but she was very productive and she did all kinds of things. Did all kinds of things. But the bottom line of her life is that she feared God. And she taught her children to fear God. And then we come back to the Old Testament. Ephesians chapter 6. It's a very simple verse here. Here's what to do, mothers. Chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger and fathers and, and it can be mothers as well because of the context there. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This this is your marching orders, ladies. As the servant of the master, servant of God, the master says you are to bring these children up. To bring them up. And that's not just nine months, no, this is a long term commitment. A long term commitment that takes faithfulness. And the goal of the godly mother is not, it, the goal of a godly mother is to raise a godly generation. So that's hard. Yes, yes, it is hard. A Christian mother has her instructions from Scripture, from her master, and she's just faithful to her calling. Faithful to her calling. So she's a servant that seeks to please her master. Seeks to please her master. Number three, and we can do this in two minutes, so just hang with me. The the, uh, evaluation of the servant. The evaluation of the servant will ultimately come from the master. And that should be a capital M. The master. It's the master. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is kind of getting into the meat here. We don't have time to, uh, to dig into it as much as I would like. But he says this in verse 3, 1 Corinthians 4 3, he says this, But to me it is a very small thing that, w- that I may be examined by you. What's that mean? What's the word examined? It's to be judged. To be evaluated, to put under scrutiny, to kind of take a magnifying glass to paul 's life and say, yeah, he 's not real good of a preacher, but he can you know he 's a pretty good pastor and he 's not really uh, good at this, but you know we 'll let it slide. You know, he says, i don 't really care what you think. what you think is, is insignificant that 's what he 's saying. And he says this: or by any human court, you, it 's not just you, it 's anyone, anyone 's evaluation. I do not even examine myself. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul obviously knows of sin or he gets rid of sin in his life. Evaluates himself. and, and I, Am I sinful? In, in fact, in verse 4 he says, For I am conscious of nothing uh, against myself. Of course, I don't let sin stand in my way or in my life. I evaluate my life in that way. But he says, even by that, even by my own judgment, even by my own scrutiny, I'm not acquitted. I'm not found innocent. I'm not proven, proven right. I'm not vindicated. I'm not justified. Just because I don't see anything in my life, that doesn't mean I'm right. He says, and he goes on, here's the point. Yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. If we are the Lord's servant, He is the one that's ultimately going to examine us. He is the one that we have to give an account to. Even my own evaluation really doesn't even matter. It's what God thinks of me. Now that is sobering, folks, that we will someday stand before God and He will judge us. He will judge us. I like what Tozer said. He said this, and this is just again sobering. The man after God's own heart must must be dead to the opinions of his friends. Now these, these guys right there, they're trying to kind of encourage Paul. They were building him up to more than he should be. Dead to his, the opinions of his friends as well as his enemies. I don't care what my friends think about me. I don't care what my enemies think about me. All I care is what God thinks about me. How does God see me raising these children? Am I, am I doing it right, God? Not not everybody else. The most significant person to evaluate me is God, not myself, not anybody else, not the church, not, not anyone. Not anyone. And Paul is saying people's... Evaluation of his job and what he is doing is really insignificant compared to God's evaluation of his job. And we could say the same thing as servants. Now listen, we don't just go off half cock. Oh, I can do whatever I want and and don't care about anybody's evaluation. We need to do it right. We better get our instructions from the instruction manual. But then, then we let God judge us. And people don't know. He goes on to say in verse five, essentially, people don't know the motives of the heart. The heart is is disclo- The heart is not disclosed. It is not out there for everybody to see. But someday, he says, darkness is going to be uncovered here, and the motives of men's hearts is going to be evident to everyone. He says, now wait for that day. Wait for that day, now, folks. That's sobering. That's sobering. Paul holds himself to a higher standard because he is a servant of God. Now he he knows that God will evaluate him someday. God will evaluate him someday. God, who knows the heart, who who not only sees the external, and and men say, oh, he's such a great man. But Paul says, no, you, you don't know my heart. God knows my heart. My motives are not good. Let me ask you, if God just came down right now and just evaluated why are you here? What would be your motives for being here this morning? Wow. What's the motives of your heart? If your motives right now were disclosed, everybody could see them, how would they evaluate that? As believers, He will someday evaluate us. All believers are servants of God and whatever role we play. It is our duty, it is our responsibility to find out what our Master wants and just faithfully Now let me just sum up this. Let me just make an application. Nobody likes scrutiny. Nobody likes to be evaluated. Nobody likes Have you ever sit in those uh, every year annual evaluations at work? And and they okay, you've done this bad. You've done this. You're not very good at this. and, And it's just nobody likes that, right? Nobody likes that nobody likes to be held to high standards especially mothers i mean you're so vulnerable anyway and you got 25 kids and you only you have two hands i mean how, how good can you do and it's it's hard to be examined and be evaluated by others and you just and you just want to give up and nobody likes the expectations of a of an ideal mother or the perfect mother my my poor wife we've had a lot going on we had a son's birthday and a graduation and and the son didn't get a, a party that he probably should have gotten 17th birthday. And my my wife is, I feel like a bad mother. I'm not an ideal mother. I should have done this for my... There's so much more that can be done. You know what? We're just servants of God, aren't we? We just try. We just, we just do what we can do and, and apply ourselves. We're productive. We're productive. And, and then let God evaluate. We throw up our hands. We recognize we cannot do it all. But let me say this. There's a reality of what I'm saying. here. There's a reality. It's a rawness, but there's a reality of life that we are just servants of God, folks. And we never lose sight of that. Other people's opinions, it really doesn't matter. Whether I'm a good mother or bad mother, what everybody else says, it's what God thinks. What God thinks, and we better know the expectations of our of our master, and then we better faithfully carry those expectations out as a good servant, as a trustworthy statement, because God is going to evaluate someday. We will stand before Him. He says, "Are you good, Carl? Were, were you a good father? How was your fathering, Carl? Were you a good employee?" Carl, were you a good husband? And the expectations are way up here. They're not down here like we would have. It's sobering. It's sobering. But that's the way we live our life. We know those things going in. We're all servants together. We all encourage one another. But we seek to please God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for... Just Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for the things that You took Paul through. This poor guy went through so much. And, but yet that forced him to explain. Explain the difficult things of life. Of how to evaluate his own self. How to, to take other people's opinions of him. And, and really kind of make it insignificant. Because he saw himself as a servant. Lord, help us to see ourselves as servants. And help us to genuinely serve You. Get up every morning saying, Lord, what can I do to serve You better today? And then Lord, with the anticipation of someday standing before You and being judged for the deeds that we've done, the things that we've done in the flesh, while we're here on this earth, whether we're a good mother or not, whether we're a good neighbor or a good employee, Lord, you, you know all of those things. You know the motives of the heart. Lord, we can look good on the outside. Lord, help us to just live in that reality. Live in that reality. It's so tempting for us to look at everybody else's opinion and not really care about what You think. And Lord, I thank You so much for our mothers. I thank You for those servants of God who are serving their family, serving their community at large, serving the church specifically as well, and genuine servants of You. May we honor them today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask you to stand. It's kind of a strange passage to bring a Mother's Day sermon. But we're all servants. We're all servants. May, may we be found faithful, folks, right? That's, that's the heart of a servant. That's the attitude of a servant. Lord, may we be found faithful. If we can help you, we'd love to be able to do that. Throughout the week, I'm here. You can call us at any time. Of course, you can stop by. You can talk to any of our deacons or elders. We would love to be able to hear from you and help you. Thank you for your patience. I, I see the clock. I, I know that I've gone over. Thank you for being patient. Father, we thank you for your grace. We, we do not, none of us, match the, the idea that we should be. We, we fall short of your glory every day, Lord. Lord, help us to deal with that. Help us to deal with the reality. Help us to not get discouraged. Help us to just keep going on and be a faithful servant. And Lord, depending upon your grace. Because we know we can't do it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.